This is the Data Privacy Detective. Malevolent attacks, that's what we're going to talk about today, and, and really about how secure is our digital data. And with us, I have a great guest, Philippe Humo. Philippe, thank you for joining us today from France. Thank you, Joe, for having me. Now, you are the co-founder, a co-founder, and the CEO of CrowdSec, which you started after a career of uh, more than 25 years of building IT security companies. And I understand that CrowdSec is a French uh, startup that edits a collaborative security stack for identifying and sharing malicious IP addresses across its community of users. Tell us a little bit of, uh, more about that. What uh, what does CrowdSec do? Yeah, thank you, Joe, for asking. I mean, it, if you look at what we're doing, it's very similar to Waze. Waze uh, used to do this for the road, you know, for the maps in the world. So they take your speed, your heading uh, of the vehicle, and based on that, and your location, obviously, and based on that, they can calculate if there are any hazards in your journey on the road. And uh, we do the same thing, but for digital highways, if I may have a power. So we're taking the IP addresses that are aggressive to you. Obviously, we protect you against them. But after protecting you against those aggressions, we share the IP address, the timestamp and the behavior it tried to have against you or your, your facilities. And we share it with the network. And using the network effect, we curate a real-time block list of the risks and we share it within the community. So it's like having a real-time map of the roads, but it's a real-time map of bad IP addresses. And your mission uh, on your website is make the internet a safer place for everyone. And I like your slogan, safer together. That's part of uh, your uh, the essence of the company. Yeah, definitely. So we want to share because we think that, you know, the go alone stance that the industry was adopting for the last 40 years like we are stronger, we have bigger budget, we have better appliances, firewalls, whatever. It led to fairly, say, mitigated results. If you look at companies investing hundreds of millions of dollars a year, they still get breached. They still yeah. are losing valuable IP and uh, information about uh, their clients and so on, secrets and, and whatnot. So um, this stance is uh, doomed. If by investing hundreds of millions, you still get compromised, it's not the right way of doing it. Whereas if we band together, if we team together, we can tackle the problem by choking one of the essential resource for the life of cyber criminals, which is IP addresses, because they are in limited numbers. Well, let's talk about malevolent data attacks. It, it, it tell our listeners a little bit about how they come about and how you actually track them and collect malevolent IP addresses. How does that work? Yeah, so we have a network of 200, 250,000 machines using the open source product we are editing as a company. And this open source product is a mean to an end. And the end for us is to leverage this network effect against cyber criminals. So we are burning their resources. How we do that is the network, uh, the engine, sorry, the security engine we are editing is reading logs, any kind of logs. Pretty much everything nowadays is producing logs, Joe. I think we will all agree on that, even your TV or sometimes your microwave. Uh, but we specialize on server and services exposed over the internet. So they get a lot of traffic, public traffic, and some of it is malevolent. Some of it is wrongly intended. What we do is like we detect those bad behaviors, could be any kind of behaviors, as long as it leaves trace in the logs. 
and we block them. So say if you get a DDoS, we detect the DDoS pattern and we tell, we'll instruct your firewall to block those IP address. If the same goes for scan, same goes for impossible travelers, credit card stuffing, credential stuffing, you know, a variety of different attacks. But once we've done this, we've protected you. And our goal is to protect everyone. So every time you block an attack, you share it with the others, with our network. We curate it and we send back to everyone a block list. So meaning if you're patient zero, you will probably see the attack, block it, and maybe, you know, use a bit of your resources to do so. But patient one, two, three, and four, and all the one after will be protected against this IP address right away. They don't have to even try to interact with it, understand what it is doing. They will directly block it. I think one of your first incidents may have gotten you started with CrowdSec was uh, for a a sports e-commerce shop that was under attack. Tell us a little about that and what you learned from it. Yeah, so that was back in the days, like probably a decade ago, there was some Olympic games uh, taking place. And uh, what happened is we had a, a web shop called Intersport. It's a very large brand in Germany, but in Europe globally. And the guys, they obviously have a high tide during you know the Olympic games because they sell a lot of stuff. And uh, they were hosted in our high security environment. It was not yet CrowdSec, who was my previous company, but it was the same CTO and the team was roughly the same anyway behind the product. And we see like these guys using thousands, like literally thousands of IP addresses to try to compromise the website, failing, but yet still trying. And at some point they stop. I mean, after expanding 6,000 IP addresses, they stopped because basically they had no more cartridges, right? And yeah, we're like, yeah. what do yeah. we do with this? We like this. ammunition in a uh, physical war. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, we yeah, drink yeah. them out. And we're like, what do we do with those? We know they're under the control of a cyber criminal. We should share them. We should let the world know. But actually, it's a bit more complex than that. Why would people trust us? How would, how would they know that we sourced How do they know the you're not a malicious actor? That's right. Yeah. yeah. And how long is this IOC valid for? I mean, IPs yeah. are changing hands every minute sometimes. So. And is it even legal in the first place? So we had to solve all these problems in CrowdSec before being able to be a reputable, dependable provider of CTI. Well, let me ask you, are, are, are the number of malicious actors and attacks growing or leveling off or what, what do you see? Well, back in the days, I'd say a decade ago, roughly an IP address over the internet would be scanned something along the lines of 500 to a thousand times a day, which is a lot. Nowadays, we're roughly ballpark estimation around 3,000 times a day. Everybody is scanning the internet constantly. It's like the background humming of the universe, you know, this microwave background. Some of them are not dangerous. Some of them are just, you know, for inventory purposes or research purposes. A lot of them are looking for low-hanging fruits, trying to compromise you because, hey, when you're a mobster, if I compare cyber criminals to mob, right? You start with petty theft, petty uh, crimes, and, and then you graduate. <laughs> yeah, you graduate, exactly. So before you are like a, a group of cyber criminals able to attack Colonial Pipeline or, or similar, you would have to make your proof with like the uh, plumber of the area. And if you can get the plumber to pay you 5,000 euros, hey, you're still in the game, right? So nowadays, cyber crime is open to everyone. Uh, and all our digital life is relying on it. So yes, the number of attacks is tremendously growing. And specifically, we, we see the largest growth on IPv6. And a lot of businesses are not ready for that. 
Not ready. But let me ask you this. Now, you take an open source platform approach to this, and uh, there's argument in in the trade about this, but can an open source platform actually improve defense uh, against malactors? Yeah, I think the first friction to adoption is money in the first place, right? So if the product is free, it's easier for you to adopt it one day to another, like in the Waze context. So uh, open source is a great starting point for free, even though one doesn't mean the other. But also open source is a guarantee that thousands of eyes have been looking into the code source and there is no shenanigans, that there is no backdoor, there is no uh, blatant uh, uh, failures in the way it's coded. So it's usually a source of trust for everyone. And, you know, when we think about it, the rover on Mars, they are not running on proprietary software. They are running on open source. So, you know, open source is eating the world. It's safe, it's reliable, and if ever the company disappears, someone else can take over the job. So it's a legacy. Open source is forever, actually. It's it's an everlasting product. Now, help me understand one other thing. Is a VPN a way around this for a malactor, or are you able to penetrate to the IP address that's actually being used? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and as well, I would also relate it to uh, something called residential proxies, where people are lending their yes. own IP addresses also to carry traffic, Tor, or eventually those IP uh, switching very fast, hands to hands, either on a 4G network or on AWS and so on. So here's the point. If someone is using a temporary address to aggress everyone else, we'll see it very quickly. We'll ban it very quickly, within minutes, sometimes seconds. So this address is banned, but the consensus, the network, will stop seeing it at some point, will stop reporting it. So this is where the network is entirely dynamic. The block list is dynamic. And when the reports stop flowing in, then we will stop adding the IP to the block list. So this is where the fact that it's dynamic is entirely new. Uh, Most of the actors in the market are reacting within weeks, sometimes months, eventually days for the best. None of them are reacting within seconds or minutes. And this is the power of the network effect we are leveraging with this community. Very good. Tell us a little bit about multiplayer firewalls. Uh, help us understand that. Do they, do they help limit zero-day attacks? And do they help minimize cyberware from uh, attempting to divide and conquer uh, businesses and organizations? Yeah, so the, the, I have to say that it's a friend of mine who coined it as a multiplayer firewall. We love the concept because people tell us, oh, but you're not a firewall. You're right. We're not a firewall because what do we do? Finally, we accept IP address and reject IP addresses based on their behavior, not based on a static rule set. So on the one way we deal with IP address, we are a firewall. On the other way, we are not using a static rule set. So we are not a firewall. Anyway, it's just for the joke, but you're right. I mean, these uh, behaviors, the zero days specifically, we see evolution of behaviors, we see trends. And when there is a new trend, it's visible at the network scale. Sometimes there are IP addresses interacting together, like spreading to divide and conquer, as you said. So one is scanning, one is aggressing you, one is leveraging the entry point it found and so on and so forth. At your level, you would see this as three different events happening at three different time, and you may not be able to correlate them. But at the level of the network effect, when you see those three IP addresses acting together at scale, then the AI we are breeding are telling us, oh, look, ABC, they are working together. They are under the control of the same cybercrime organization. Let's block them all together. 
Very good. Well, let me ask you this. What are the top one or two tips you have for organizations, businesses, universities, uh, the French medical uh, system, uh, you know, about protecting data? One or two tips you would put at the top? One, I would put both equally important in enterprise environments and personal environments is multi-factor authentication. It's extremely complex for uh, cyber criminals to actually get hold of both a secret that you know and something you possess, like your, your phone, you know. So yeah. it's not a silver bullet, but it's still very efficient. Yet, don't use uh, text-based, SMS-based uh, code. Prefer something like Google Authenticator or YubiKeys or physical devices. They are safer because, you know, text messages can be intercepted and so on and so forth. Uh, the second thing is, I would say, anyone in the enterprise, and the same is true for individual, every time someone will try to rig you into thinking uh, they are the president of a company or whatever, they it's will use yeah. 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 Phishing, scamming in this way, they will try to put some urgency, a sense of urgency in their request. It's now. Right. It's, you have to react absolutely now because you want to shut your brain, your neocortex, to think that, yeah, this looks fishy. By putting a sense of urgency, they call to your limbic system, one step lower, you are in fear, you're not thinking anymore, right? So everything that is urgency and ask you to bypass a normal procedure is highly, highly debatable and should be scrutinized. It's so not a red flag, it's pretty orange, isn't it? Yes. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and you will never, ever, ever be blamed because you made a double check, because you called back your boss right. to confirm something you will be blamed because you didn't do it so think twice confirm the information and use two-factor authentication wherever you can excellent any other tip for individuals about safeguarding our own personal privacy yeah, yeah actually i would say you know what uh the uh, uh wi-fi that is delivered with your box is usually poorly configured not so efficient and uh accept something that is you know this button you push and then instantly you can connect. This thing is riddled with flows and, and is really, really, really dangerous. It's called WPS. You don't want that, really. What you want is like decent grade uh, uh, system, like, I don't know, UB Unify or something like this. You would use this as access point. There are plenty of other brands. I'm not pointing specifically at this one. They are enterprise grade uh, hardware that are not so expensive. They will deliver high end performances and you will get rid of all the classical shenanigans at home and you separate the networks. Put your teens, put your Android devices and safe stuff, uh, you know, gaming station and so on on one uh, Wi-Fi network and put your work from home on another one. That it's way already. Right, separate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent tips. Well, Philippe, merci beaucoup. Thank you very much for this uh, tour of a very interesting space. And again, I love your slogan, Safer Together. As always, I'll close by reminding our listeners, protecting your personal privacy begins with you. Mm -hmm.